I want to welcome you into the Sunday preaching podcast of the Point Church located in beautiful Perdido Key, Florida. I'm Tim Coleman, the senior pastor, and we believe strongly in the expositional preaching of God's Word that builds our faith and grows us up in Christ. I'm glad you're either downloading the sermon or listening live to our service, and I pray that this message is a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join me as we get to the point. All right, it's good to be back with you guys uh, this year. And uh, this morning, I, I haven't flown since all the mess has been going on, you know, so I, I, did, I forgot I couldn't fit on a plane. And uh, man, I wish y'all would have seen me. When I walked by the stewardess, she said, where is he going to sit? And uh, when you get on a plane going from uh, Greensboro to Charlotte, I can touch from one wall to another. That's how small that thing was. And uh, they were so kind to uh, let me have a, a seat that I could fit in a little bit. But uh, it's, it's good to be with you. And again, Tim said uh, how much he loves me. I wish it was mutual, but, um, uh, but anyway, we're working on that. We're working on that. No, we had a good time together. And it's good to see everybody here. I had some other, I had some Georgia folks introduce themselves. We was eating a while ago. They're from Warner Robins originally. And uh, so I know the service will be have the Holy Spirit's power on it tonight and uh, move, move uh, amongst us. Great singing. Oh, my goodness, man. If you can't preach after that, go home, right? Please be with me. Okay, uh, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number four is where we'll be tonight. Ephesians chapter number four. In the first three chapters of Ephesians, we've been instructed in this amazing deep doctrine that's connected to this sovereign grace that's been given to us. And so he speaks in chapter 1 of adoption and, and the Holy Spirit's sealing power. And, and uh, we need to understand that when we came to, to Christ, it wasn't that we came on our own without Him coming after us first. Amen? We were dead in trespasses and sin, Ephesians 2 teaches. And so He had to open our eyes to make us realize we were dead in sin. We were full of depravity. And there is no bottom to depravity. You can see that in our nation alone. Don't even go outside the world. Just look in our nation alone. And when you think that we can't get any lower as we go another step further, there's no boundaries and no bottom to depravity. And so the first three chapters are teaching us about this grace that God has poured out on us. And now we come to chapter 4 and we see how that grace, listen now, should be evidenced in our life. In fact, the key word of the text chapters here is the word walk. There in verse number one, I believe it is, walk. This is the way the theology of grace should affect our lives. I want you to, if you're a marker in your Bible, I want you to circle or mark, draw a line under whichever of the word worthy right there, worthy. And we're going to read it in just a minute. It means to weigh something on a scale to show its weight worth. Paul is saying, calculate the worth of grace, of the grace of God, and live our life in a way that reflects the value of that grace. So this is what we're going to get into. So Christ died for us, and I'm speaking to you all as if everyone in here has given their life to Christ, okay? So I don't know that for certain, so don't, don't take that as, well, he said I was saved. No, you only know what you know personally from, from Christ. I'm speaking that way because this is, in chapter 4, speaking to believers. 
They've come to Christ. They've given their life. Something has to change. You cannot live the same lifestyle that God found you in. Amen? And, and I remember years ago, I got saved when I was 13 years old. But I promise you, I did not start being discipled, and I'm not blaming anybody. I'm blaming myself. I knew better. I was raised in a Christian home. But I didn't start really growing until I was probably about 24, 25 years old. And, and if there's anything that's weak in our churches, and I can't speak for this one, but I can speak for mine, the one I pastor, if anything is weak, it is that our people, our godly people, I'm not meaning that sarcastically, our people who are born again do not disciple. Y'all with me? That's not a gut shot. I'm just telling the truth. You say, okay, so I'm not sure how to do that. If you got saved Monday, you can disciple by Tuesday. That don't mean that you know everything. That means you're telling your story to the next person. Man, God showed me His grace. I'm learning this and that and the other. So all of us, in whatever situation that we may be in, whatever circumstance, whatever it is, take that time and disciple. I want to challenge you tonight before we go any further. You need to, you, you need to pick somebody in this church and meet with them, pray with them, go over Scripture with them. You will grow, and they will grow, and that and Tim will be happy. He's not happy right now. <laughs> Listen, seriously, uh, you, y'all follow me? I mean, and all it does is bring you together, and that's what we're going to learn about tonight. These effects. So look here in chapter number 4 and verse number 1. I, therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in the manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given, listen now, to each one, of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it, it, therefore it says, when he ascends on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, he does, he does what does it mean, but what he had also descended into the lowest regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might feel all things. This is the thought I want you to take home with you tonight. We need to harmonize our conduct with our calling. We have been called out of darkness into light. Peter teaches us that. We've been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We do not own ourselves anymore, church. Amen? We do not own ourselves. He owns us. We belong to him. Paul teaches that. Peter teaches that. And so now, because of that calling, it needs to be harmonious with our conduct, or our conduct needs to be harmonious with our calling. And so here's some effects I want to give you. Effect number one, God's grace should affect our attitudes toward each other, towards each other. In verses 2 and 3, he says, With all humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with one another, eager to maintain unity of spirit and the bond of peace. And so because this list of things sits in this context that stresses unity, we may assume 
that if these attitudes are absent, unity in the church will also be absent. Christian unity demands these attitudes. Church, it demands them. If we are not equipped in here, you will not be equipped out there. You will fall from doctrines and go to and fro with all winds of toss to and fro with all kinds of doctrines. You won't stand strong. That's the reason it's so important to be in the house of God and under good biblical expository preaching. Amen? Systematic theology is very, very important. You learn the books as you go. Years ago, I, I mean years ago, I came down here to Pensacola Christian College to a, a pastor's conference. I had just started pastoring, had no idea what I was doing, and I don't know what I'm doing now. And so I've been there 14 years at the church. And so came down and this guy preached, and uh, uh, excuse me, excuse me, he was teaching a class. I, man, there was hundreds of pastors there. I was there to learn. And you may not realize this about me now, but if, if I want to learn something, I'm not embarrassed to tell you I don't know it. That's why I'm there. Amen? And so he says, how many of you sit at home on Saturday nights and you got a thought in mind but no Bible verse? You know, I've had my hand up. And all these other guys, man, they're in ties and suits. I was not. But I do have a bow tie on tonight. I'm kidding, I don't. And, uh, and, and, so, and so I was all, I was like, man, you know, that's me, that's me. And he goes, how many of you uh, have no idea what you're going to speak on till Saturday night? He asked, I raised my hand. And I was embarrassed, but I was like, you know, I, I don't know what to do, man. I read, I, I have, I've told y'all before, I have ADD. Man, it's just hard. It is hard to sit there. Y'all have no idea what it's like to live with me. I'm telling you. That's the reason my wife says, oh, thank God for Tim. Thank God for Tim. And so, anyway, uh, she really did say that. And so, uh, he said, listen, I want to teach you something. We got 66 books of the Bible. Pick one. Pick one and preach through it. And I thought, I, I never heard of that. I got home, I, and the first book I preached through was Galatians. You say, was you led of God? I just picked it. I just picked it, and I started preaching through it, and the farther I got in it, I started realizing, what am I doing? I need to go back to line work. I don't know how to do this. And, man, the longer I was, and you know what God did? He took what I'm saying right now, and he began to teach, and he began to show these effects of what I was learning in Scripture in my own life, and it began to bleed out on the congregation where people were held on to religion it started being a relationship. Amen. And so he teaches us here, listen, there's some attitudes that has to be displayed in the church towards brothers and sisters in Christ. This is not a call for unity with the world, but it's a call for unity in the church. Listen to this. Let's look at these attitudes. Attitude number one, he says God's grace should cause us to be humble. Every believer should be characterized by humility, every one of us, amen? We should not think too highly of ourselves. I have done that before. I have thought, well, I wish you'd just look at this. I am something. And listen, this computer went out on me one time while I was preaching. 
pure panic. Man, I went into testifying, you know, crying. <laughs> Don't y'all want to testify? You know, up here, trying to get it back going. Humility. Hey, the Lord will bring you down quick and show you who you really are. This is an attitude that must be among all of us. Look at the other attitudes it says. Attitude God uh, grace should cause us to be gentle is one that speaks of a gentle and a meek spirit. One commentary I read after said this particular word means that there will be an absence of a disposition that demands one's personal rights. He's speaking here of being a gentle, having a meek spirit with some. I fail at that. My wife tells me all the time, Casey, you don't realize how you sound when you talk to the girls. And I really am not trying to, you know, I don't mean anything by it. I'm just wanting what I want done now. I need, I need feet moving, you know. And, and about three years ago, I opened up my own company. We take down trees and uh, build driveways and French drains and put in culverts. And uh, I, we do all kind of stuff. I dig graves. I got a special right now, $39.97. I will dig it, sing at it, preach it, and cover you up for $39.97. So if you need <laughs> If you need help with that, you let me know. Now, don't cremate, but I can tell you, if you don't tell nobody about it, I'll help you out with that too. So, so anyway, we, we started this business, and, and we hired, all these folks are like, $39.97. And, uh, and so we hired these boys from, from uh, church, and some of these boys ain't got no daddy. And, uh, and so uh, I found out that out real quick. And I remember one day I was talking to this boy, and I promise you, I was just talking to him. I, I don't, and man, his eyes done welled up with tears, and I'm like, what are, you, what are you crying for? And he goes, you're just talking so mean. And I said, I did, and so I have to, hey, I have to learn this gentle, meek spirit, especially in front of y'all. I don't really care nothing about them. No, I'm kidding. We need to be gentle. Hey, look at this attitude number three. God's grace should cause us to be patient. Oh, my Lord. Are you kidding we got to be patient with one another. Look at what it says. This one means we should have patience, long-suffering, preserving spirit about us. We should be, oh, here we go, long-tempered, not short-tempered. Now, be honest. How many of you got a temper? Woo! I'm glad I don't. <laughs> Man, let's pray for them right now. Lord, help. Listen, you know what? I was telling Brother Tim today, I, man, I got out of that plane. I started confessing sins. I was, just, I was trying to get right before I had to get up in front of y'all tonight. I was telling him, I said, man, you know what? This is one place I struggle. I have struggled with this all my life. It's not the big things. The big things don't mess with me. It's them little things. Them little things. I was telling him, I remember working in line work. I have had fuses blowing my ear. I mean, a fuse right here and scare you to death, and sometimes you think that would make you mad. That don't make me mad. I've been in, in situations up in a, on a pole, and it's, it's getting hairy, and that don't make me mad. But you let that staple not go in that pole holding that copper, and I will cut that pole down with a chainsaw. I mean, it just, I don't know why. I don't know why. It just comes over. Kathy always says this. My wife, she says, Casey, you just turn into the Hulk too much. <laughs> y'all don't, don't think I can turn into the Hulk? And so, 
Anyway, we have to be long-tempered and, and not so short-tempered. Hey, this is in the body. This is what he's talking about challenging us in the body to create this unity that we need because of the grace that's been shown to us. This is sanctification, guys. When we met Christ, we was justified. Now we're on a walk of sanctification before glorification. And this walk is hard. Amen? You got all these people in here growing up differently. Everybody didn't grow up in a home that stayed together. There might be blended homes here. There, so on and so forth. Whatever it may be, we have different attitudes. We bring them all together and we say, love Jesus. And it's not that easy, is it? I mean, boy, you got these over here, has this little attitude. I got folks in my church. We, we, we use our auditorium. We tear all the chairs down and we set ch and tables and chairs up. And we use it as a you know eating joint too. And so anyway, we... We, we, and when we set the chairs back up, we set the chairs back up, we have a couple of ladies. I'm going to tell you something. Them chairs are going to be straight, and they're going to measure correctly from the stage that first set on and on and on and on. And if you don't get them right, let me tell you, they ain't scared to tell me what I'm about to do. <laughs> and listen, listen, you need those people in a church. All y'all like, no, we don't. Yes, you need those people in a church. Hey, you need those scatterbrain people in a church, don't you? Now, let's, let's bring it spiritually. You need new converts in a church. Not only is it exciting, but it allows you to remember the joy you had at that time, and it brings you back to that moment that you met the loving God that you met. Amen. So we need that. We need to be patient. Listen, attitude number four, God's grace Oh, should cause us to bear in love, forbearance to one another of the same kind. Paul is saying that each of us has a responsibility in and of ourselves to endure each other and bear with each other that are in the same family. True context of biblical love. God's grace to us should prompt us to demonstrate God's loving grace to each other. Paul said in Colossians, that we are to forbear one another and forgive one another just as Christ forgave us. Colossians 3.13. This is hard. Say amen if you've ever had trouble with somebody in the church. The Bible teaches us in Matthew 18 to go to that brother or sister and tell them of the problem. And when they turn you down, you go and you get another witness. And when they turn you down with them, you go and get another one. They turn you down with them, you go and get the church and you bring them before the church, and if they do not repent of that and whatever's taken place, it says they turn them out. The Bible says he turns them out of the church. Man, that's tough, isn't it? If we had more people to die in their pride and walk the aisles and come to each other and say, listen, I'm sorry. Whatever I said, whatever I did, I'm sorry. You, you did, you know, whatever. It doesn't, I am sorry. Would you forgive me? Now, if that person don't forgive you, it's not on you anymore. That's between them and God. And God's got judgment on them. He told us he's going to judge the church first. Judgment comes on the church first. We have to get those things a part of our lives, these attitudes. Effect number two, God's grace should affect our pursuit of unity with each other. Look in verse number three there. Eager to maintain unity of spirit in the bond of peace, therefore, is one body and one spirit, 
just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. Look right here. In, in a true church where God is working, Satan will try to destroy unity, and he will work through people to do it. In view of God's grace to us, we should always strive for unity in a church. Verse 3 says we are to be diligent to preserve unity, which is produced by the Holy Spirit. So what is so interesting here is that Paul uses as basis for unity, and it is doctrine. This is so foreign to, to a religious world that says, hey, listen, we need to be uh, unified. We need to love everybody. We need to throw flowers. La, 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 la. We need, hey, I can't unify with a Buddhist. That makes sense to you? I, I, I'm not telling you I can't befriend them and help them and talk with them. That's not what I mean. I can't teach them that, hey, you serve a God, and the God you serve is my God. That's not true. That's a lie. So we can't be unified there. He's teaching us here, we serve the same God. So let me, let me just give you a, a, some, I put these in here, some theological elements, okay, that we got to have. It's right here. It's right here in the Scriptures. The first one is that we are all part of one body. Listen to this. Every, every believer is part of a universal body of Christ, and Paul said elsewhere, for one spirit, they were baptized. 1 Corinthians 12 teaches us that. I believe it's verse 13. And this is a great reference to the fact that every single true believer is in the body of Jesus Christ or the true universal church. So everybody in this entire world that came to the foot of the cross, lost their pride, and repented of sin, and came to Christ is the body of Christ. Now, there's local assemblies. And Paul writes to those churches. There's local assemblies, but all of us are part of one body. Hey, we all have one spirit. Every single believer was convicted by the Holy Spirit, a third person of the Trinity, when the person believed that uh, the same Holy Spirit was given as a down payment and a pledge. Let me, let me read this to you. In, in Ephesians 1.14, it says, Who is the guarantee of the inheritance until we acquire possession of it to praise of his glory. If you go back there in verse 13, it says the Holy Spirit is. He's our guarantee. Nobody in here came to God without the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I have to go to heaven to allow him to come. He will bring conviction. He will bring guidance to us. And that's what he did. No one comes to the Father lest he what? draws them. Who do you think's doing the drawing? The Holy Spirit. So when you're walking down the road or ever how you got saved, you didn't, you wasn't walking and just say, I'm going I'm to come to Jesus today. We are so depraved, that's impossible. What God did was he opened up our eyes and our heart to see our need of a Savior, and his name is Jesus. And he began to draw us. How did he do that? He put influences in our life. I remember uh, when my uh, father got saved, and, and he was a very rough, he wasn't gentle, let me tell you that. <laughs> and he got saved. Listen, our whole household changed, guys, when he got saved. And I remember dad wasn't a, he wasn't a reader. He, he had to 
I think he quit school in the seventh grade. His dad died. He had to go to work in a cotton mill. Uh, I remember him um, working um, as a police officer, 10 at night to 6 in the morning, and then he'd frame houses from 7 in the morning to 3.30 or 4 in the afternoon. Then he would come in and sleep, and he would sleep in the attic so that he wouldn't disturb us while we was doing schoolwork and mama cooking and so on and so forth. This, this is what I remember. But when God saved him, he changed him. Now, some of you feel probably like, with some of the things you mentioned in Casey, I struggle with and I have a problem with. But I thank God you're struggling. You, you with me? Because if you wasn't struggling, ain't nobody messing with you. The Holy Spirit ain't messing with you. Does that make sense? So I'm glad I struggle. I'm glad that I, hey, one day hopefully I'll have victory over these things. I know I will when I get a new body, but here on earth I hope I get victory over these things. But until then, hey, man, don't stop struggling. Keep fighting. Amen? Keep fighting. Listen, we all have one hope. His name is Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus is our hope, the hope of our sins being forgiven, the hope of us going to heaven, the hope of us reigning with him. He is our one hope. Thank God our hope is not the government. Amen. Lord, help. I don't care who's up there. That is not our hope. Do you know that there's only going to be one kingdom to reign? Amen. And it's going to be Christ's kingdom. And I'm glad I'm going to be a part of it. The one hope that, we'll, that we all have is in Jesus Christ. Look at this other element. We all have one Lord. The Lord that we have is Jesus Christ. He is the one to whom we all owe allegiance because he is our sovereign master, ruler, and savior. I have no problem saying the pledges to the allegiance. But more so than that, my allegiance is to Christ. And when there is a government it, it, trying to shut us down and do this and do that, my allegiance is to Christ. When there is a government who says, hey, this sin is correct and you will live by it, I must, my allegiance is to Christ and I live for him whatever the consequences may be. Does that make sense? Now, I, now I'm not out there trying to fight anybody uh, over the COVIDs and this and that and all this, but I'm going to tell you something. You can't tell me that you people seeing your faces today and Sundays prior and out here eating a while ago doesn't warm your hearts. Your face tells about your countenance, amen? And when you can see it, there's a joy that comes upon your life. I'm not saying a virus didn't exist. I'm just saying it's good to be back to some normalcy. Amen? Our state hadn't released a lot of stuff, and so we still have to wear masks here or there or the other. I'm outside, so I don't wear them, but I, I, I'm, you know, I think about the, the people in the restaurants. You know, Man, they're just trying to make a living. You know what I mean? And when I go in, I don't want to wear one, but I do, and I do it just heartily. Here you go. I'm like, I don't, you know. You know, I will. Whatever. I'm like, you know, because you could, you could catch it and die from walking in the door to the seat. Okay. All right. That's a joke. Okay. Wah, wah, wah. Okay. I'm just going to throw that out there. Casey's not going to be making it back Saturday night. Um, so, listen. So, the other thing is we all have one faith. Man, I, I tell you, there's this, there's this person. I'm not going to tell you the gender because I don't know if anybody ever... If you're recording this, then somebody may find me and watch this, and I'm not here to break their heart. But there was this person that we were so close. I mean, man, they came up in the youth group, and uh, oh, man, did they ever love the Lord. And um, 
And so uh, we sang together, we would sing together, and I would travel and preach and so on. And they got in one of these stinking liberal colleges. And uh, man, it turned them upside down. And I remember I, I, I couldn't get a hold of them. I called them, texted, nothing. So I sent an email. Hey, just where, where are you at? I mean, I'm worried about you. We love you. You know, something, something ain't right. What's going on? I mean, we, we've been together a long time for you to be not talking to, to me and Kathy. What, what's going on? And she sent me back. I won't ever forget that first statement. Our faith is not the same. I won't ever forget that. It crushed me. Automatically, I went back to Ephesians 4. He says, we all have one faith. One faith. Everybody that's in Christ Jesus, you got one faith. Buddha ain't in it. Muhammad ain't in it. Any other false god ain't in it. It's one faith to Christ Jesus. Now, faith is the matter of what we believe. Our faith is critical on two fronts. Number one, there is only one saving faith, and every believer has faith in Jesus Christ, which saves him. And number two, there's only one body of truth that presents a faith system, and this is the Word of God. Church, we live in an age that we have the full Word of God given to us in 66 books. Think of the ones who didn't have it. We're not them. We have it. He does not reveal any new word. He illuminates what you already got. And when you're reading it, have you ever studied and read the Bible, and then you go back and you read what you've read maybe six months later, and it's just boom, it just hits you in the face, and you're like, I didn't see that. That's the Holy Spirit teaching us at the time you wasn't ready. But the experiences that you've had in these six months, now you're ready. Boom, take that. And you see it. And it changes your life to help you grow and be unified more in the body. This is what he's talking about. Listen, we all have experienced one baptism. There are multiple ritual water baptism in Scripture, but there is only one real baptism that is truly common to every believer. And we talked about it in First. Corinthians 12, 13, the moment that you come to Christ, you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people get a little haughty. and They think they have more Holy Spirit than somebody else. That's, that's impossible. Everybody has the same amount of Holy Spirit. What happens, what you see is one person may be more yielded than the other. Does that make sense? Listen, we all have one God. Every believer has a relationship with the one true God who is the Father of all believers. We are connected to the one and only true God who is the Father over everything. Let me give you this last thing and I'm done. The effect number three is that God's grace should affect our concept of our grace gifts, which was given by Jesus Christ. Look there in verse number seven. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Then he says in verse 8, Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And he's quoting there, I believe it's Psalm 68, 18, but when he's quoting that, it says that God there uh, accepts gifts and gives gifts. That's none of our business what God does. 
That's, that's out of our price range. I mean, that's out of our uh, pay grade. Does that make sense? That's his choice. When he gives a, a, a person a gift, that's their gift. What happens in a church that creates so much disunity is people wants whatever gift the other person has. Everybody's not gifted in speaking. Y'all believe that, right? Y'all are like, yeah, we know. We're listening today. Yeah. Everybody's not gifted in speaking. They're not. Everybody's not gifted in singing. Y'all know what I'm Y'all been there, hadn't you? Boy, somebody get up and sing, and you're like, Lord, help somebody take the batteries out of that thing. I mean, <laughs> listen, it's just part of it. But what happens, people say, I want their gift. And it's no different. Let me tell you what happens. You can go to Acts 5 and read this night when you get home. This is ADD, so y'all hang on. You go to Acts 5, you see uh, Sapphira, Ananias and Sapphira. What happened was everybody's been caught up in the Spirit, they've been saved, and they want to see the apostles do great works, and they're selling their land, and Barnabas sells his land and gives all his money to the apostles and says, go, take off, do great things for Jesus. Ananias and Sapphira see everybody on the sidelines. Oh, praise God. woo and they want that. Y'all following me? So they say, hey, let's go sell our land. They go and sell their land, and then they say, look, we don't have to give all of it. We'll just give some because they won't know, but we'll make them believe that we gave all of it. And they do, and God said, and dropped them dead. Y'all remember that story? It's the same thing happens in church. People see other people's gifts, and they say, I want that. I want to do that but it's not their gift and they're not received in the same way and then their feelings get hurt and then they get disunified. It's the same thing as the book, The Five Love Languages. Y'all remember that book? <laughs> yeah, some of the men were like, yeah, I, I burned it, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, five love languages. My love language is, uh, I have no idea, it just left my brain. Okay, it's uh, words, words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. My wife's love language is quality time, quality time. So what I was doing to my wife was, oh, you look beautiful. Oh, the house looks great. There's no one like you. And she's over going, oh. It ain't doing nothing for her. And acts of, uh, acts of service is hers too. <laughs> Wouldn't you get it? Anyway, and so, <laughs> and so it, you know, it, it's, it wasn't working. And so when I felt rejected, what did I do? Disunity. But I was doing wrong. I need to feed her her love language. Quality time. Let's get on the four-wheeler. We're going down here and go mud hogging. There's some hogs that we're going to. And I don't understand why that ain't fun to her. And so I said, what do you want to do? And my wife is artsy. Like she loves uh, old stuff too. Like, I mean, uh, what's, what's it? Antiques. Yeah, antiques. I, she makes, I crawl over in dumpsters to pull out furniture for her to redo. Same love. Anyway, <laughs> and so when I give that love language to her, y'all follow me? There's unity. When, and she's always been great about giving my love language because, I mean, she's smarter than me, obviously. But she, she's always, okay, you're, you're my strong man. Mm. You know, I mean... <laughs> 
you know, whatever, whatever. You know, and she just, she, she gives these encouraging words always. And what does that do? That unifies. Same thing in the church. When you find out your gift and you use it for the body, it edifies the whole body. And it makes it unified. So don't think you're unimportant. Don't th- I remember a gentleman, and I'm done. Because it says here that Christ gives out the measure of what that gift may be. And I remember a gentleman in our church. He's still there. He, he, he called me over one day, real shy. So I want to talk to you. I said, yes, sir. And he said, look, I, uh, I, I can't speak. Uh, you know, I can't get up in front of people. And speak. I said, oh, yeah, yes, sir. I understand. And I can't hardly walk no more, so I can't hardly serve. And it was true. I mean, his legs just giving him some trouble. He said, but there's one thing I can do. I said, what's that? He said, I can make money. I said, you can. (laughs) And he said, what I want you to do is you tell me what this church needs, and I can make money, and I can give. That's my gift. And boy, could he make money. We had eight kids that just had no way to go to, uh, to church camp one year. The church didn't have it to send them, or we would have. And uh, he walked over, or he told me to let him know, and I told him all eight kids went. That, that's a gift. He Listen, he put towards something that he's going to get a reward in glory for what God did in those kids' lives. He didn't speak. He didn't serve in that manner. But he gave so that they would hear it. Amen. Man, just bringing that body together. So I want you to ask yourself this question tonight. Ask yourself this question. Is my conduct harmonizing with my calling? Is these things, some of these things that were said tonight, is that striking a chord in your heart saying, you know what? I don't have that attitude. I I need to work on that attitude. And I mean really work on that attitude. Praying with your spouse. If you're not married, praying by yourself to the Lord, studying. Beat this thing. Get victory over whatever attitude might not be. And understand how important it is for you. And we're going to continue to go through chapter 4. And that tomorrow night I'll be in the next section. And then Sunday morning I'll be in the next. So we're going to learn what some of these gifts mean as we move on. And maybe you'll find your gift and start helping unify the church. I'm going to tell you this story and I'm done. There was a gentleman in our church. He helped me so much with some very, very, to me, complex doctrine. That boy was so smart. Good night. I I mean, man, you just sitting here listening to him talk, and I'm like, man, and I would stop him. And he said, what is it? I said, man, I lost you by 10 words back. I don't even know what you were saying. I mean, dumb this thing down a little bit. And he would. He would and not get it. I was like, oh, my goodness. That's what that means. I mean, that's the kind of relation. I mean, he was a good guy. And he pastored a church for a while. He pastored about four or five churches. And they all ran him off, every one of them. He could not get along with people. But he couldn't see that. And the common denominator in all those problems was him. And we was talking one day and, and having lunch, and, and he's ministering to me, and I'm trying to minister to him, and he got to crying. And I said, oh, man, don't cry. Popped him on the back. I said, you're going to be all right. Don't cry. 
You know, it's all right, it's all right, it's all right. You know, and uh, he said, I want, a, I want what you got. I said, well, you can't have my wife and kids. I can't, you know. <laughs> he said, no, no, I want what you, he was married. He had children. He goes, I want what you got. And I said, what I got? What, what, I, what do I have? <laughs> he said, listen now. He said, you got power. I said, power, what are you talking about? He said, you got power over this church, man. When you speak, man, they do it. I want that. I said, well, first of all, I ain't got that kind of power. I got responsibility is what I got. And if you're looking for that, you don't need to be in ministry. But if you're looking for responsibility and hard times and hard knocks and things that's going to grow you just as much as those people are growing, then there's churches out there for you. But if you're getting in this thing because you want a so much power of influence that you can snap your fingers and somebody does what you say, please don't ruin the ministry for me. You just need to stay what you're doing. Now, he left. Imagine that. The gentleness kind of left in that conversation. I was trying to be truthful, trying to be loving. We're going to get into that. But he left. He's been gone now for about five years. Church after church after church after church after church. So Casey, why are you telling that story? Because men, when we can't get along and when we do this, do you see what we do to our families? We drag them along. Church after church. After, and it's always somebody else's fault. And you know what you're doing to them kids? Everybody's wrong but my daddy or my mama. God does not want disunity in his body. But he knows it's going to be difficult to get the unity. He's giving us the prescription to fix it. Amen? So fix it. Harmonize your conduct with your calling. Father, we love you. And we thank you for this time looking in your word. Lord, I am humbled that you would give an opportunity to come to a place like this. These people get to come here every week. And Lord, I am so grateful for that. This is a wonderful church, wonderful people. And Father, I pray that you deal with all of our hearts tonight. Even though I've studied and I speak, I spoke it, Lord, hey, it spoke to me. There's things I must work on. Father, equip us here in this building tonight so that we may go out into the highways and hedges, Lord, and evangelize the correct way, strong in our doctrine and faith and who it is that has called us out of darkness into light. We love you in Christ's name.